Hi everyone, my name's Mark, I'm one of the ministers here, and today we're continuing our sermon series in the New Testament book of James. This hard-hitting letter which is all about putting our faith in Jesus Christ into practice. Last week we saw James say that faith without works, without action, is dead, it is useless. And this week we're going to see that our speech must be included in those works, in that action. I don't know how seriously you take your speech, the words that come out of your um, mouth. On the one hand, we have that phrase, the pen is mightier than the sword, which speaks of the great influence and power of words. On the other hand, you probably grew up hearing the little ditty, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. As if words don't matter that much, and so we could be caught somewhere between the two, unsure exactly of how much our words matter. One of the problems in culture at the moment is how uncivil the public discourse has become. It used to be the case that even if you disagreed with someone, you were still civil towards them, you were still working towards a common good, but that seems to have gone out of the window now as we're all sort of fighting for our own individual good, and therefore if you disagree with me, you must be against me, so I will attack you and call you names and call you a, a turf, a, say you're a figure of hate, cancel you. And the danger is that that sort of public discourse infiltrates the church and we end up being quick to speak ill of others or gossip or slander or try and put others down and James says this must not be he says in verse 10 out of the same mouth come praise and cursing my brothers and sisters this should not be so here is the challenge for us today for us to watch our words, or in the language of James, to tame our tongues. And to make sure that you and I only ever speak words that build others up in the church and never to tear them down. So how are we going to do it? Well, four key truths we need to recognise. First, we will be judged for our words. James starts this chapter warning his readers that not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Why will Christian teachers and leaders be judged more strictly? Because they use words all the time, and our words really do matter to God, especially for a Christian teacher when he is talking about issues of life and death, and heaven and hell, and people's eternal destinies are at stake. Vital that Christian leaders speak the truth about Jesus Christ and do not twist God's word to suit their own ends. And as they speak their truth, Christian leaders are to do so in a loving, gentle way with their words. They're not to, to be overbearing with their words and they will be held accountable for them. But notice it's not just Christian teachers and leaders. In verse 2, James speaks of we, of anyone. Because we all have a responsibility to speak the truth about Jesus to one another, to spur each other on, and to do so in a loving, gentle, non-overbearing way. And James says in verse 2 that we all stumble in this, that none of us are perfect in this, and so we all really do need to watch our words, because all of us will be held accountable before God for what comes out of our mouths. Now, 
James is speaking here to my fellow believers. That is those whose faith is in Jesus Christ, that they have nothing to fear on judgment day. Nevertheless, we will still be held to account before God for the words that we use. And so here's the first key truth we need to recognise. We'll be judged for our words. Our words really do matter to God. And so the next time you're tempted perhaps to, to bite back uh, at someone, to speak ill of someone, to talk about uh, someone else um, to someone, you know, just so you can pray for them. Perhaps we just need to, to pause and say to ourselves, is this something that God wants me to say? You know, what the words that are about to come out of my mouth, will God be pleased with them? And if there's any doubt in our mind, the best next step is to keep quiet. Say nothing. Hold your tongue. Well, look, if that's the first key truth to recognise, we'll be judged for our words. The second is this, the destructive power of our words. Let me read from verse three. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Now, isn't James just the master of the illustration? As he gives us two examples here for how influential our tongues can be. He begins with a horse, take a horse, really powerful animal, where we get our word horsepower from, 15 times more powerful than a human being, and yet with just a small bit in its mouth, we can um, turn the animal, the horse, into whichever direction we want to go. And ships, James says, and today we can think of those huge container ships, those monstrosities on the water. And yet still today they are steered by a relatively small rudder at the back of the boat so the captain can turn the whole ship around. And James says, so it is with our tongues. They're just a small member you know, of our body, but the huge influence that our tongues can have on our lives for good or evil must not be overlooked. And here James focuses in on the, the negative, the evil, the destructive power of words. He continues in verse 5. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Now, the worst fire this city has ever known is the Great Fire of London back in 1666. At four days it lasted before they could put it out. 13,000 homes it burnt down. And devastation across the city. How did it start? A small spark from an oven in a bakery on Pudding Lane, which had not been extinguished properly. And James uses this very vivid illustration to say, so it is with our tongues. If we don't watch our words, if we do not tame our tongues, we can, if you like, set alight these spiritual fires in our lives and our relationships that can cause terrible devastation and destruction. Have you ever said something? And as soon as the words left your mouth, you wanted to put them straight back in again. The look on, of horror on the other person's face. I've used this illustration before, let me use it again. The destruction that I caused to my witness at work at Deutsche Bank on the grad programme 
when some words came out of my mouth just out of frustration. I moaned about someone, complained about someone because he was constantly moaning about the food we were being given. And as soon as the words came out of my mouth, I wanted to put them back in, but it was too late. And the spark had come out and the fire had been lit and there was nothing I could do about it. Have you ever seen a, a friendship or a working relationship come to an end because of something you said or perhaps because of something that was said to you? Then you will know something of the destructive power of words and the lasting damage it can do to people's relationships. A racist joke, a sexist comment, a discouraging word to a child. You might not have meant much by it. It might, might have seemed so small and insignificant to you, but James says it is like a spark. And a great fire of dis devastation, destruction, can come through it. And it's not just the harm our words can cause others, but James says in verse 6, the tongue corrupts our own body too. Joe Capolio, head of All Nations Christian College at the time, felt convicted by the Lord about the words that he was using to his wife about some of his colleagues at the, at the college. And having felt convicted, he confessed it to the Lord, he confessed it to his wife, he said it must stop. That first night, over dinner, made this decision not to speak ill of of anybody else, they suddenly found it hard to know what to talk about. So caught up were they in this negative cycle of speaking about others. It wasn't just harming the other people, it was harming them and the conversations that they were having with each other. So destructive our words can be when we're not watching out for them. And we can ultimately see why at the end of verse six, why lies Gossip, slandering, moaning, grumbling, backbiting is so destructive because James says it is set on fire by hell. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words really can hurt you. Please be under no illusion about the destructive power of words. We need to be very careful with them, what comes out of our mouths. That's the second truth we need to recognise. The third key truth we need to recognise is the untamability of our words. I don't know if that's a real word or not, untamability, but I like the sound of it, so let's keep with it. The untamability of our words. Let me read from verse 7. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by humankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Now this is such strong language from James. I'm surprised he doesn't just tell us to cut our tongue out and be done with it. But of course, James does not think the tongue is all bad. He's about to say in the very... Next verse, the positive way in which we praise God with our tongues. Now, what he is highlighting here is our own inability to tame our tongues. One of the marvels of human achievement is the way we have tamed horses, tamed lions, tamed even killer whales at SeaWorld. But the one thing we have not learnt to do 
as human beings is tame our own tongues. Now, do you agree with, with James? Perhaps you could try it out. Why don't you resolve not to say anything negative about anyone for the next 24 and hours? No proud word over others, no envious comment about others, no backbiting at others. And of course, that's just the words that come out of our mouths, but there's the inner narrative going on inside our heads all the time. How do you think you're going to get on with that? Do you think you could last 24 hours? Because we're meant to last the entirety of our lives. Who can tame the human tongue? James says, none of us can. And in that sense, it is a restless evil, full of deadly poison, just ready to spill out, given the chance. Now, just to be clear, James is not saying that things are all hopeless for us. and We may not be able to tame our tongues, but there is one who can. Jesus Christ is the great tongue tamer, who only ever spoke the words his father gave him, and always spoke the right words with people in the right context, with the right tone, and he is the same person at work in us, by his spirit, if we put our trust in him. So there is hope, but we need to cry out to God for that help and depend on him much more than we do at the moment when it comes to the words we use. If any of you lacks wisdom, chapter 1 verse 5, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Here then is the third key truth. We cannot tame our tongues, we desperately need God's help to do so. The fourth and final truth to recognise is the inconsistency in our words. James says in verse 9, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And so James finishes this section pointing out, as he's been doing throughout the letter, the inconsistency in his readers' lives, who on the one hand praise God with their tongues, but in the very next breath curse people, put others down, who are made in the very image of the one they praise. And James says, do you see how wrong that is, how inconsistent that is, how unnatural even that is. I mean, look at the natural world. You don't get fresh water and salt water from the same spring, and yet praise and cursing are coming from your same lips. You don't get olives from figs or figs from grapevines, and yet such ungodly words are coming from your mouths which belong to Jesus Christ. A salt spring can't produce fresh water, and yet look at the poison coming out of your mouths, people who claim to follow God. Do you see how inconsistent this is, and how it must stop?
And that's where James stops in this section. With this sucker punch, leaving his readers to contemplate the inconsistency of their speech in their lives. And what I find interesting about this section is there's no obvious move to, to Jesus Christ at the end. There's no concrete practical advice on about how to tame and control your, your tongue. No, what James wants us to see more than anything else is simply just how serious this speech problem is and how desperately we need to change. There was a student meeting at Princeton and there was a talk on the Good Samaritan and a lot of students were going to it and a group of people deliberately placed an actor under a bridge on the route the students would take to the talk and they made this actor look beaten up and disheveled and like the man in the Good Samaritan story and they waited to see how many people would stop and it was really interesting to them how many students just walked straight past to this talk including the people who'd arranged the event including the person who was giving the talk and at the end of the day only 10% of people stopped to help out this person under the bridge. And the point of the stunt was to show the inconsistency in people's lives. Those who profess faith in Jesus Christ, those who knew the Good Samaritan story inside out, but they weren't actually living it out in their lives. And the stunt was there to show their need for change. And I think James is doing a similar thing in this section. You know, these vivid illustration he uses of a horse and a, and a sheep and a, and a spark. And the very strong language he uses about a restless evil and a deadly poison, and the untamability of that, and the inconsistency of it, and he's, he's using it all to shock us into seeing, having our eyes open to the magnitude of our speech problem and our desperate need for change. So let me ask, do you see your need? Even if our situation is not the same as James's readers, this is something we all struggle with. And perhaps right now the Holy Spirit is convicting you of your words, especially so in the light of the judgment to come, is that you will confess it to the Lord, receive his forgiveness, ask for his power to change. Are you beginning to recognise the destructive power of your words, the way your words have harmed people, harmed yourself again? If that is the case, come to the Lord, confess it to him, ask for his help to change. Perhaps you've experienced something of the untamability of your tongue, the way sometimes it seems to have a, a life of its own and the words do spew out and you want to put them back in. Come to the Lord, ask for his help to change. And it might be that for most of us, we you know, can see clearer now the inconsistency in our words. Praising God, professing faith in Jesus Christ on one hand, but then often speaking ill or thinking ill of others. Again, let's come to the Lord Let's confess it to him. Let's receive afresh his forgiveness and let's depend more and more on his power to change. Well, let me pray that for us now. Father God, please would you um, help us to rightly see the magnitude of this problem. Help us to recognise that we will be judged for our words, that our words really do matter um, to you. Please help us to see the destructive power of our words and, and the harm it, it can do to others. Help us to see that we can't tame our own tongues. We desperately need your help and help us to see how inconsistent it is in our lives to, to praise you on the one hand and yet curse those who are made in your image on the other. Please help us therefore by the power of your spirit to speak rightly of you and to speak rightly of others. 
And we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.